This is Interior Integration for Catholics, and it is great that you can join me today. We are wrestling with the deep attachment needs and the deep integrity needs that Catholic spouses have. In this life, we all have deep attachment needs. We all have deep needs for integrity. We struggle with those deep attachment needs. We struggle with those deep integrity needs, whether we realize it or not. And some of those needs are unmet. This causes us difficulties. This causes us suffering. This causes us tension in our important relationships. Those unmet needs are part of being human in our fallen world. And how we choose to handle those attachment needs, how we decide to handle those integrity needs, that really determines how well our close relationships, and especially our marriages, how well those relationships go. How the husband chooses to address his attachment needs, his integrity needs, will have a huge impact on his relationship with his wife. How the wife chooses to address her attachment needs and her integrity needs will have a huge impact on her relationship with her husband. Meeting these attachment needs, meeting these integrity needs well is foundational. It's essential for you to have a psychologically sound, a psychologically solid marriage relationship. So today, in episode 62 of Interior Integration for Catholics, which is released on April 5th, 2021, it's the sixth in our sub-series on sexuality and Catholic marriages, we're titling it Unmet Attachment Needs, Unmet Integrity Needs. We're not just going to lay out the definitions of our terms. What are attachment needs, Dr. Peter? What are integrity needs? We're not just going to answer those questions. We're not just going to discuss how those needs impact the rest of the marriage relationship. No, wait, we're going to get into a lot more. We're going to dive into how do you engage with these needs constructively? How do you start on a course of action to really meet those deep attachment needs, those deep integrity needs? So stay with me until the end. We're going to get into some specific recommendations for beginning a program to have your set of attachment needs and integrity needs met. This is such an important area that we're going to spend some time on it, more than just this one podcast. So you're going to see these themes coming up over the next two or three podcasts. I am Catholic psychologist Peter Malinowski. I am bringing my 20 years of experience in the clinical trenches with real Catholics with real problems to bear on this question of attachment needs and integrity needs in this episode for you. This podcast is part of Souls and Hearts, which is our online outreach. Check us out at soulsandhearts.com. It's all about overcoming psychological obstacles to being loved and to loving God and neighbor. Now, each episode that I do stands on its own, so there's no need to review if you don't want to. So if you're just jumping in here, that's great. I do review from time to time because reviewing helps with spiral learning. It helps us to retain what we're learning. And because this podcast is programmatic, episodes do build on each other. We're not just doing little isolated sound bites of information, just odd assorted nuggets. No, this is meant to be a program in your Catholic human formation to help you focus inward on your interior integration, to help you bring together the different parts of yourself into unity and harmony in the natural realm. So let's do a quick rewind here just to catch you all up to date. Now, I introduced the model of a Catholic canopied marriage bed to represent the sexual life of a married Catholic couple in episode 58. 
The Catholic canopied marriage bed has these interrelated parts. First of all, the floor, which is a deep abiding trust in the presence of God and his providence. We started here in episode 59. Then there's four legs. These four supports hold up the Catholic marriage bed. The fourth leg is internal family systems approaches to understanding myself and my spouse. We covered this conceptually in episode 60, and then we went over it again with a story of a Catholic couple's marriage problems in their sexual relationship in depth in episode 61. The third leg is understanding my own attachment needs and integrity needs and understanding my spouse's attachment needs and integrity needs. That's what we're focusing on today in this episode, episode 62. The second leg is the wife's commitment to her own interior integration, her own human formation, and and leg one is the husband's commitment to his own interior integration and his own human formation. We're going to talk a lot about human formation for the husband and the wife in terms of parts and also in terms of these attachment needs and integrity needs that we're discussing today. Uh, Just to recap briefly the rest of the marriage bed, the frame in the box spring, that's the firm, unwavering commitment of the husband to his marriage vows and the wife to her marriage vows separately and independently. The mattress is empathetic attunement. The two pillows are self-acceptance and spouse acceptance. The bottom sheet, which is the fitted sheet, that's the sexual attraction. That's the intensity of the sexual passion. That's the eros. The top sheet is communication between the spouses. The blankets are human warmth and emotional connection. The four bedposts that rise up from the corners of the bed are mindset, heart set, body set, and soul set. We'll get into a lot more about what that means in future episodes. And then there's the canopy and the curtains. These protect privacy. There's a sense of propriety with their function, but they can also hide dysfunction, exploitation, or even abuse. Then there's the sham, the bedspread, and the bed skirt, which are used to cover up the real bed and to give an an impression of the state of married life to the world. All of these elements in the Catholic canopy marriage bed work together in a dynamic model which can change over time. So we're going to be fleshing that out and exploring that. Some of you have already begun drawing the Catholic canopy marriage, marriage bed. This is an opportunity to work on that third leg, which is all about these deep unmet needs. So what is our situation here? All right, we need to get into definitions. So this is definition time. We all have attachment needs and we all have integrity needs. And it's hard to find good definitions or summaries of those needs. So I'm going to give you my definitions. These are the ones that I've come up with based on my reading and my experience in this area, drawing from a lot of different sources. So attachment needs are the needs that a child has for a deep and enduring emotional and relational bond with a caregiver, usually a parent, who provides a felt sense of closeness, security, understanding, reassurance in times of trouble, affection, warmth, and a sense that someone is really looking out for my best interests. Those are attachment needs. The needs that a child has for a deep and enduring emotional and relational bond with mom or with dad. Integrity needs, what are those? So I'm drawing from self-psychology here, primarily Heinz Kohut. And these are the needs that a child has for a sense of identity. Integrity in identity. And they have the following features. So these needs are a separate existence from others, that I exist in my own right as a separate person, 
that I have boundaries and that my identity is therefore bounded and separate from others. I have needs that my identity be stable over time and stable across different situations. Needs for a regulated self and that my identity be integrated, that there be coherent interconnections inside me among aspects of my experience. So there's the sense of self-cohesion. Another need in this area of integrity is that I be active, that I have agency, that I can function effectively in the world. And the last one is that I'm good, that I'm ontologically or good in my essence, and thus I have intrinsic value and worth apart from others changing opinions of me. Right, so attachment needs have a lot to do with relationship, our human attachments, our connections. Integrity needs have to do with our essential identity, who we are as a person. Now, Daniel Brown and David Elliott in their 2016 book, Attachment Disturbances in Adults, they really emphasize attachment in this, you know, obviously, since that's what the book's about, but they focus on the subjective experience. It's not just important what's happening objectively, what actually exists in reality. It's also important how the child experiences that reality. So when they talk about the five conditions for secure attachment, it's not just about what's really going on. It's about what the subjective experience of the child is. So the first condition is that the child have a felt sense of safety and protection, a deep sense of security that the child feels in his or her bones. It's not just being safe. It's also feeling safe. And the failure of protection from parents is harder to integrate into the life narrative, harder to make sense of than even abuse. Right? This failure to be protected is, is absolutely devastating to children. So this need for protection is absolutely fundamental. Parents need to be protective but not overprotective because overprotecting children actually leaves them vulnerable to all kinds of problems in the future because they're less able to handle the experience of struggle and trials and failures and things like that. So that first condition is a felt sense of safety and protection. Second condition is feeling seen and known and heard and understood. This sense of felt attunement. So it's not just that the parent is attuning to the child. It's that the child realizes and experiences that attunement. So parents, you, you just can't be aware, but you have to have also the capacity to respond to the child in helpful ways ways that convey that understanding. So sometimes you get these examples in families where mom says to the child, oh yes, dad loves you, but he just doesn't know how to show it. Well, that's not good enough. It's not enough that dad has good intentions and that dad understands his son. That understanding and those intentions have to be manifested in real behaviors that are attuned to the son that the son can pick up. It's really important. 
And how do we do that? Well, we need to be able to recognize not only the child's immediate behavior, but also the child's state of mind, the inner experience of the child. We need to be able to enter into the child's phenomenological world to be able to to put ourselves in the child's shoes. And we also have to recognize where our child's developmental capacities are. Let me give you an example of misreading uh, children's developmental capacities. I see this a lot where good-hearted parents, well-meaning parents, are trying to get their two-year-olds to share their toys on a play date. Well, developmentally, two-year-olds are all about, I have, therefore I am. Right? They're all about defining themselves in terms of their possessions. It's not that they're being selfish. They're not old enough. They haven't reached the age of reason. They're not able to be the classic definition of selfish. They are holding on to what they're holding on to in order to preserve a sense of identity. And if mom or dad forces the toys out of their hands and gives them to another person, that's like, it's like really painful for these kids. And it's, again, not because they're engaged in morally problematic behavior. They're two. They're two years old. We want to make sure that what we're doing is also developmentally attuned. All right, that's, so that's the second one. Feeling seen and known. The child feeling seen, known, heard, and understood. The third is to have felt comfort and reassurance. It's not just the actions that parents do. It's not just the efforts to reassure, but it's actually being soothed actually being reassured, the parent actually being helpful with emotional regulation, for example, by calming the fears of the child. And as this is repeatedly provided by a consistent parent, the child gradually develops the inner capacity to self-soothe. So what do we got so far? First one, a felt sense of safety and security. Second one, feeling seen and known and heard and understood. The third is the felt comfort and reassurance. That brings us to the fourth one, and that's to feel valued, delighted in, cherished by the parent. All right, this is when children experience the father having joy, rejoicing in who the child is. Not just in what the child does, right? Not just in the child bringing home good grades or drawing a really pretty picture or something like that or doing well in sports, but the child's being. That's what the parent is rejoicing in. Delighting in the child's very being is how Brown and Elliot put it. This is when the, ch- the parent this is when the parent believes in the child's goodness that the child is precious and worth making sacrifices for because of who the child is. So that's the fourth one, feeling valued, delighted in, cherished by mom and dad. And the fifth one is felt support to becoming the best self. The felt sense that the parent wills and works toward the child's highest good. The parent believes in the child. And this frees the child to be able to explore, to experiment, to discover, and to experience both successes and failures. Donald Winnicott discussed in 1971 how play is the medium for children's self-development. The parent doesn't need the child to fit a particular mold, not to have to conform to some particular parental agenda in order to meet the parent's needs or expectations. No, play and this freedom brings out the uniqueness, the individuality of the child, the child's interests, the child's gifts and talents. 
And in all of this, the parent is handling the appropriate developmental self-assertion of the child, navigating that well so that the two, the father and the child, or the mother and the child, can be separate individuals, but near and intimate in relationship. All right, so those are the five conditions for secure attachment. A felt sense of safety and protection, feeling seen, known, heard, and understood, feeling comforted and reassured, feeling valued and delighted in, cherished by the parent, and felt support from the parent for the child's best self. This is where the parent wills and works towards sacrifices for the child's highest good. It's not just that those things happen in reality, but that also they are conveyed in the, in the mode of the receiver in a way that the child can take them in. I have seen lots of examples of families where there were lots of good intentions from the parents and, and from the children, but it takes more than good intentions. It's not just the benevolence. It's also the capacity to be able to love. And where things usually fall apart in a failure for that love and secure attachment to be conveyed is in the capacity. It's usually not benevolence. It's usually not a problem of goodwill. It's usually not even a problem of consistency, although sometimes it is. A lot of it is parents just don't know what to do. A lot of times their parenting wasn't anything like optimal. Their parents really struggled. You can see these intergenerational patterns. So that's why, again, it's so important to be able to spend the time and the energy on your own human formation. These are not spiritual things per se. These are not things that have to necessarily even do with virtue. There's a relationship there, but this is this is basic, natural level human development, human formation. And this has gotten so neglected, I think, in the upbringing and the formation of most Catholics. That's why Souls and Hearts exists. That's why this podcast exists, is to help you with that. So let's talk about the conditions for integrity needs to be met. First off, all the things that I mentioned, the five attachment conditions that Brown and Elliot talked about, all of those are really relevant to having your integrity needs met. So each one of those conditions, if they're met, helps us to develop a healthy sense of self, a healthy identity. Let me talk about these integrity needs, the need to know that I exist. Now, sometimes people who don't struggle with existence issues don't really understand how this can be such a major problem for those individuals who really do struggle with existence issues. All right, so let's start with really an extreme case. An extreme case would be Cotard syndrome, which is also known as the walking corpse syndrome. It's not very common in this extreme manifestation, but people who have Cotard syndrome really believe they're dead. They really believe they are dead. They have come to conclude based on their internal experience that they are actually dead and they're like walking corpses. All right, so let's let's not go quite so extreme, right? Because most of the time that's not going to be the problem. A lot of times I've gotten calls from parents or from other concerned individuals, my teenage daughter, my teenage son is cutting or burning themselves. Okay, cutting behaviors. Sometimes that's a question of do I exist? I've seen cases in which when there's cutting and, and the blood is flowing, right, that's the reassurance that the person has that they're still alive. 
because they feel so dead inside, so cut off, so alienated from themselves and from other people that there's this deep need to know that I'm continuing to exist, that I'm still alive. And the, the pain and the blood flow demonstrate that. So there's a kind of relief that can come from that. That's not the only reason why cutting behaviors happen, but it is one of them. Sexual behaviors, and we'll talk more about this in the next few episodes, but again, orgasm, say from masturbation, can serve the same function. It can be an intense enough physical sensation to break one out of the fog or the doubt about whether one is alive and whether one can still feel things or whether one is just so numbed out that that's no longer possible. When you're dealing with existence issues, suicide can be a way of seeking a kind of pseudo-integrity. If I feel like I don't really exist, then maybe I shouldn't exist. Maybe, maybe I'm being a fraud to go on living physically when I'm psychologically dead or emotionally dead or spiritually dead. So, you know, I, I don't want people to think that I'm doing okay or think that I'm even alive. I also think this idea or this, I also think that this concern about existence is one of the reasons why there are these highly public mass shootings. It's a way of being noticed. It's a way of being identified as a person in someone else's mind. I'm alive, I matter, because I did this thing and it was covered by the media and people noticed. I think that's one of the basic reasons why these kinds of things happen. It's not just enough that I exist, but my existence needs to be separate from others. I need to exist in my own right as a separate person, bounded, having boundaries that define the limits of who I am. You see this in children with running away gestures or behaviors by children. I, I ran away from home uh, a couple of times, didn't make it very far. It's not an uncommon experience for people in my generation. You can also see it in children who hide right, or who spend a lot of time hiding, sometimes they are really trying to establish that their existence is separate from others. And that's not always unhealthy. Sometimes it's just part of normal play, like we were talking about with Winnicott, uh, practicing different kinds of ways of relating or not relating, right, as one experiments with what it means to be human. But sometimes it can become problematic when it leads to, to uh, dangerous or unhealthy behaviors. We need to know that our identities are stable over time and across situations, that there's this continuity of who I am. We need to know that we can regulate ourselves, that we have self-control. And initially, of course, we need help from others to learn how to manage the intensity of our emotions, the intensity of our desires. No infant can do that. No toddler can do that without help. So over time, what happens if there's good parenting that's attuned and the attachment needs are met is that there's this capacity to internalize that control and, and for that to become integrated into who we are. We also have these strong needs for integration, for there to be coherent interconnections inside of us among aspects of our experience, what we might call self-cohesion. And this is so helped by an awareness of our parts and more than an awareness, an understanding of our parts. It's really important for us to be able to understand ourselves. It's not just enough for us to be understood by others. It's really important for us to understand ourselves. Another 
condition for integrity is to be able to be active, to have agency, to function effectively in the world, to learn social norms and social graces, to be able to develop our capacities, to be able to develop our talents. We also need to know that we are good, that we're ontologically or essentially good, and that we have intrinsic value and worth apart from others' opinions. And I'm going to argue that I see all the time parts in clients that really are in the role of lepers or outcasts that have been rejected as unlovable, that have been condemned as unredeemable sinners, like tax collectors. So we want to bring these parts into an integration within us, relieve them of their burdens that are causing such harm in terms of integration and in terms of identity, and help them to find roles within our lives that are much more fruitful, much more healthy. Another thing that's really important in conditions for integrity is that we need to make good choices. We need to seek what's good, true, and beautiful in life. We need to tolerate the suffering that goes on with changing and growing because this is a hard road. There is a lot of struggle that happens to develop, not just spiritually, but also in the natural realm. I'm reminded at this point of the second stanza of the song, The Rose, which was released in November of 1979. Some of us are old enough to remember that um, by Bette Midler. And it goes like this. It's the heart afraid of breaking that never learns to dance. It's the dream afraid of waking that never takes the chance. It's the one who won't be taken, who cannot seem to give, and the soul afraid of dying that never learns to live. Right? So we are talking about you know, taking on this great personal adventure. And I mean that in the fullest sense of the word, this adventure that we're on in terms of our human development. We need to change and grow. We need to try new ways of being or acting, or we are going to shrivel psychologically and emotionally. So this is where we have an opportunity to bring everything together. So we have these attachment needs. We have these integrity needs that I just laid out. We also have parts that I really went into in the last two sessions, or the last two episodes, that I really went into in the last two episodes. Now, we can lump along as we've been lumping along in the same old limited understanding, the same old patterns, same old results are going to come from that. But what if there were a way to bring these insights about needs and parts together and to understand ourselves, our needs, and our parts in new ways? Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Well, let's go back and just do a brief definition of parts again. Like I said, I, I, I went into this in a lot more depth, particularly in episode 60. But parts are separate, independently operating personalities within us, each with its own unique prominent needs, roles in our lives, emotions, body sensations, guiding beliefs and assumptions, typical thoughts, intentions, desires, attitudes, impulses, interpersonal styles, and worldviews. Each part also has an image of God and also its own approach to sexuality. Parts experience needs differently. And parts really are motivated by their needs. It's the reason why I put needs first, is because the needs that parts have really drive the way parts operate within us. Attachment needs and integrity needs are carried by our parts. Our parts carry our needs. And this helps us to make so much sense out of our experience. For us to be able to recognize 
the parts within us, and especially the parts within others, helps to bring clarity out of confusion and direction instead of being lost. Because a given part may be in my awareness or, or maybe unconscious in any given moment, we may or may not be conscious of our attachment needs and integrity needs. The attachment needs and integrity needs that that part carries, if that part has been banished from conscious awareness, those aren't going to be available to me in, in the moment. Parts with their attachment needs and integrity needs may also be activated by external or internal factors. As I mentioned before, parts are on a mission to have their unmet attachment needs and integrity needs met. It's the most important thing for them. Often, it's a life and death issue. So that means that they're going to try to get them met in all aspects of life, including in sexual relating. And you heard all about that in episode 61 with the example of Jeff and Joanne and how their parts were working to get their needs met in that sexual encounter that I went into. And that can be a real problem in a Catholic marriage relationship, especially if those needs are really for a father and a mother. As Catholics, we don't just have an earthly father and a mother. As Catholics, our earthly mother and our earthly father are secondary parents. Our primary parents are our spiritual parents. God, our father, Mary, our mother. And ultimately, only God can meet our attachment needs and our integrity needs. St. Augustine, in the year 398, when he was in his early 40s, wrote this in his confessions, quote, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. End quote. And why? Because only in God, ultimately, are our attachment needs and integrity needs going to really be met. Period. Full stop. So how do we begin to address these deep unmet needs in a deliberate, reflective way? All right. So I'm going to set some, some parameters here to help you get oriented into actually entering in to an organized program of working on your own human formation and addressing unmet attachment needs and unmet integrity needs. The first thing is to make time to do this work. This work is going to take time. Many people allocate exactly no time to their human formation. Whatever human formation they get sort of happens haphazardly, without deliberate thought, without deliberate intentionality. Some serious Catholics will make time for prayer. They'll make time for the spiritual life, spiritual reading, daily mass, other things. But they don't think about their psychological lives. They don't think about the natural foundation. The fact that you've come to this podcast, and if you've stayed with this podcast for any amount of time, you're interested in the natural realm, we are going to be looking at that natural foundation. So the question I have for you is, can you find 15 minutes a day, or 10 minutes, or even 5 minutes at a consistent time to focus on your parts and on your attachment needs and your integrity needs? Now, if the answer to that question is no, I can't do that, well, I appreciate the honesty then you're going to need some real personalized guidance, a therapist, maybe a spiritual director, a close, a close friend, an accountability partner, some type, of, some type of individual personal relationship to help you do this. Write down when that time is going to be. Put it in your calendar, maybe make an alert on your phone. Often, it's a great time to do it before regularly scheduled prayer. I make time for this kind of work seven times a day. 
I do about seven minutes, seven times a day of working with various aspects of where I am at. Sometimes people ask, how can you be so incredibly productive, right? Because I do a lot of different things. You know, run a practice. I've, I've, I've got this podcast plus the two bonus podcasts, two communities I'm really active in. I'm the president of Souls and Hearts, handle a lot of the work for Souls and Hearts. How can I do all of that? Well, what I found is that the more connected I am with my system, the more that I know my parts, the more that I'm really working, not just in the spiritual realm, that's really important. I spend a lot of time in prayer too, but also in this natural realm, working with my parts, it makes me far more able to be able to recognize what's going on inside of me, to be able to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to carry out what at least I think is God's will on a regular basis. So that's the first thing. We got to make the time. 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes. If you can do 15 minutes, break it into two seven and a half minute sessions. One in the morning, one in the evening. We don't want to take too much time at once. It's too easy to get distracted. And it's more important that the time be regular than the actual quantity of it. I would much rather have somebody do one minute for seven days in a row than do 30 minutes on a Saturday and then forget about it for another week. You're not going to build in the regularity without the daily work. Second, I'm going to invite you to listen to the following reflection. It's only 10 minutes long. This reflection is going to help you get in touch with your needs. We're going to work on taking an inventory of unmet attachment needs and unmet integrity needs. We want to know what your needs are. And we're going to take a part focus on this, which means we're going to look at the different needs that different parts carry. No part carries all the needs, right? Those needs are distributed among different parts within you. Now, if that seems like too much, if, like if there's a huge reaction to that, or if you know in the, uh, in the exercise you're getting kind of triggered and so forth, or leaving your zone of tolerance, getting hypo-aroused or hyper-aroused, fight or flight or, or freeze, then it's going to be really important to have somebody with you on the journey. Again, that's going to probably mean a therapist, to be honest with you. I recommend IFS therapists if they respect the Catholic faith. They don't have to be Catholic, but it's really important that they be respectful of the Catholic faith for those of us that are really serious about living out our vocations and, and living in such a way that we conform our lives to the truths of the Catholic Church. You can go to the ifs-institute.com and there's a button there that's about finding a practitioner of IFS uh, and you can look by your geographical location. There's also a free course on souls and hearts called The Catholic's Guide to Choosing a Therapist. So if you need a therapist, I'm going to really invite you to look at those resources. First thing, make time. Second, listen to the reflection, which is coming up. And the third is going to sh be sharing what you found with someone you trust. Maybe you need to make a list of people that you could share this kind of thing with. If you don't have somebody that you trust with this kind of material, you know, reflect on that. Where can you find that person? You know, again, that might mean a therapist if there's no one in your life that you can take this kind of thing to. The fourth thing, and this is an optional one, this may be more than a lot of you uh, can enter into right now, but the fourth thing that I'm going to invite you to do as an option is to reflect on your spouse's deep unmet attachment needs or their deep unmet integrity needs. Now, that's not going to be necessarily so easy because your spouse may not even know what they are, but as you begin to work with this podcast, you may be able to start you may be able to start reading between the lines of what they say 
You might be able to read between the actions, read between what they do to kind of get at what's motivating those things. What kind of deep unmet needs are motivating those kinds of efforts to protect themselves or to seek something that they really, really need? So now the reflection. It's been a while since we've done an experiential exercise. I'm really looking forward to doing one again as part of the main podcast. So I'm just going to invite you to get comfortable. Now, this is not something that you should be doing while you're driving. This is where you need to have some real focus. Or this has to be dedicated time. Shut the phone off. You know, make sure you've got a quiet space. You might have to, if you've got a busy household of kids, you might have to create some time so that, you know, somebody else is in charge of the household. You retreat to the car for a few minutes, right, in the garage, doors closed, and, you know, really be able to enter into this, Okay. We want to make sure we've given this, that we give this the, the space that it needs. And I'm just going to invite you to have a big open heart toward yourself, toward all your parts, a big open heart. And if that's difficult right now, okay, let's accept that. There's something that's making it difficult to have a big open heart toward all your parts. And we want to remember that your parts are not the burdens that they carry. Your parts are not the emotions. Your, your parts are not the impulses. Your parts are not the desires that they carry. Your parts are separate from all of those. Those are things that parts carry. You know, these parts of you are trying to protect you. They come up in ways where they're seeking some good for you. So let's really honor that, that they're seeking some good for you. They're seeking to protect you or they're seeking to get some need met. And with that, a lot of appreciation, breathing in the graces might be like light or warmth that you're experiencing in order to love these parts. Remember, our Lord told us, love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the ways we love ourselves is by loving our parts, especially those parts that are in most need of it. Just see if your system will give you the space to get in touch with a part that has a need, might be an attachment need, it might be an integrity need, it might be some other need that it's struggling with. Remember a lot of these parts are really young, phenomenologically, they experience themselves as young. Notice what's going on in your body. Sometimes parts make themselves known through body sensations. Sometimes parts make themselves known through memories or emotions or desires or impulses. 
Sometimes through songs. That's a common one for me. Sometimes people can see their parts. Others can't. I'm not great at visualizing my parts. But some people can see them. One of the things that happens with parts so commonly is that they're afraid that the deep needs won't be met. And those can be needs for safety and protection, needs to be known, heard, seen, understood, needs to be comforted and reassured, needs to be valued, delighted and cherished, or needs to be supported and helped towards their highest good. Those are the attachment conditions. But also needs to exist, to be able to be separate from others. That identity is stable over time, that I can regulate myself. Needs for integration, right? That coherent internal connections among parts and among experiences within us needs for agency effective functioning in the world needs to be good ontologically good essentially good to have this value and worth that's independent of others opinions Just curious, what of those things resonates with your system? What part might be coming up with some need along those lines? The first step in this is just to be able to understand where the parts are, to be able to witness what they struggle with. It's for you in your core self to become close to your parts. And becoming close to your parts doesn't mean that you endorse everything that they think or that they, or every impulse they have or every desire they have. No, but it means really accepting the reality of where those parts are, what feelings, thoughts, desires, attitudes they have, impulses, whatever. Instead of letting other parts just try to suppress them, deny them, force them out of existence. There's ways to work through this stuff. Would it be okay for other parts to let the needs that parts have be known to you? more clearly, more directly. 
And if you're willing to commit to connecting with your parts on a regular basis, let them know that. This doesn't have to be the end. It can be the beginning of you connecting with your parts regularly, befriending them. So many reasons why it's good for us to love our parts. And if you're finding that difficult, so interesting, that's really valuable information. If there's a block there to you loving a part of you, it's because of another part. It's because another part doesn't think that's safe enough or that there's some other reason, some other reason that that part has for wanting to thwart that relationship. It's trying to help in some way, but that can be misguided. It can be maladaptive because parts have limited vision. So as we draw this to a close, a lot of appreciation to your parts for being with you, for all their good intentions, for all the efforts that they have gone to, the great lengths to try to protect you, keep you safe, have your needs met. Even if there were mistakes along the way, and there usually are by parts, we want to appreciate those parts. So a lot of appreciation to your parts, a lot of gratitude. It may be helpful to take down a few notes to go ahead and pause this, this recording. And so take down some notes to help you kind of remember what happened in this space. And I want to let you know that the next episode, which is going to come out next week, is all about the human formation of the wife and the human formation of the husband in the marriage. And we're going to focus on these attachment needs. We're going to focus on these integrity needs and how they're held by parts. We're going to have another example of how these attachment needs and integrity needs play out in the sexual relationship. And we're going to start working towards understanding your spouse's parts or the parts of another loved one. It doesn't have to be a spouse if you're not married. Uh, And the attachment needs and the integrity needs that the parts of that person hold. So I want to try out a brand new idea. Uh, And that is an individual conversation hour. So here's what that looks like. I promise you that I will be on my cell phone from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, April 13th to talk with any of you Interior Integration for Catholics podcast listeners about our episodes. Let's have a conversation. I want to be accessible. There's no need to email me or text me beforehand, anything like that. Just drop in and meet with me by phone. I'm available. My cell, 317-567-9594, 317-567-9594. I really like communicating by phone or by Zoom. 
uh, a lot better than email or text. It's just so much more personal, so much more relational, so much more connected, right? So it's not going to be phone therapy. It's not a. It's not going to be. It's not going to be therapy by phone. But it is really a chance to get into a good conversation about the podcast. I'm interested in your reactions. I'm interested in your feedback, whatever you want to talk about with regard to this podcast. And these conversations are private. I won't use anything from them in the podcast without your permission. Now, it is hard to work on parts often without help. And so let's talk about the Resilient Catholics community just really briefly. If this discussion of parts and attachment needs, integrity needs resonates with you, if you want to be working on your human formation, wouldn't it be great to do it with other people that are all involved in the same thing? Get on the waiting list for the Resilient Catholics community. That's at soulsandhearts.com backslash RCC to sign up. No obligation to join if you do, but you're going to get cool free stuff. And there's a special event. It's coming up tomorrow if you're listening to this on the release date. This is April 6th that this is going to be. Tuesday, April 6th, 2021 from 7.30 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to get into all kinds of things about the Resilient Catholics community. There's going to be a question and answer. You can ask me anything. Get a chance to see me on Zoom. So go to soulsandhearts.com backslash RCC. There's a sign-up link. You'll get the Zoom registration and we'll be able to all get together. I think it'd be great. So don't forget premium podcasts are available every week for our RCC members and also our interior therapist community members. Those come out on Tuesdays, the day after this podcast releases. And with that, we're going to end. We're going to invoke our patroness and our patron, our lady, our mother, untire of knots, Pray for us, St. John the Baptist, pray for us. 